1: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. trip perspective i flip t i'm sick. i'm making between battu- it's just a tip Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip, the podcast that's equally about its tangents as it is about its tips. I am your host, Megan Batune and I'm here today with Karen X. Chang, and we talk about career transitions, being creators on social media, the repercussions of going viral, which Karen has done multiple times in multiple different avenues, and my favorite topic to discuss with creators, burnout. Enjoy. I know normal podcasts are like an hour, so I'm going to like try and shove everything because I want to know so much about your journey because I just realized that I had seen your video, your viral (laughs) dancing video. I had no idea. Oh, man. I had no idea until... Same person. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people were like, wait, what? That was you? That's so...
0: Because I do something completely different now. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's... uh, Isn't that like life for real? Like I feel like... Both of us definitely have so our hands in so many different things. So, like, where did you start? Where was, like, the, the inciting incident for, like, your creativity? So, I used to work f- um, for Excel, actually, for the spreadsheet company. And
0: then um, when I quit, I decided to, to, like, sing a goodbye song to my coworkers. And the goodbye song was, like, nice. <laughs> there was nothing, like— mean or rude in it but still the fact that I sang a goodbye song was kind of obnoxious totally and then I just like posted it on YouTube and then most people like you know when they I don't know if you've ever been in a corporate environment but people have these super long like farewell emails about like next moving on next steps and I was just like I'm just gonna send a YouTube link that's amazing <laughs> because I was just like kind of re- like you know a little more rebellious then <laughs> I sent a YouTube link and it was just me singing like goodbye to my coworkers. And then TechCrunch, this like major tech blog, picked it up. And then it became national news. And then it became international news. Like every single major publication, it was because the headline was Microsoft Employee Quits with Song. Wow. And that's like such a good headline. So it wasn't, people <laughs> yeah. weren't even watching the video, but it was just like, oh, that's a great headline. Totally. And so then I was like, oh my God, like that was my first taste of. Viral. And it was kind of scary because it wasn't one that I really like chose or controlled. It, you know, I wasn't like planning for this thing to go viral. Wow. Yeah. I never had anything go viral before. Um, I was kind of like, now I'm most famous for being a queer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that was like my taste, you know, and that was all uh, uh, about ten years ago now. Whoa. And then, uh, and so then a few months later, I had moved. I was in a new job. I had decided to learn how to dance because I'd always wanted to learn popping and locking, yeah. but I never knew what it was called and I never knew how I could go and learn it. Like I wanted to do, I saw that really viral David Elsewhere robot video yes. that was from like, I don't know, 15 years ago totally. now? Or A long time ago, maybe even longer, maybe 20 years. But oh my God. like, I've always wanted to learn popping and locking, but I didn't know what it was called. But then I moved to San Francisco and I saw someone teaching it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I want to learn. Right. And so then I started learning and- I remember like trying to robot and being so bad at it. So I was just asked the teacher, like, how long does it take to get good? And he's like, you could get good in a year. I was like, okay, then I'll try. And so then I started practicing and then I was like, you know what? I should really record myself so I can see my progress. Totally. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I should make a video that's like me learning how to dance over the course of a year. And I had this idea on like literally day four of me practicing. And so then I looked up on Google. I was like, Person learning to dance in a year to see if anyone else had done it already Smart. and then no one did so I was like okay I'm gonna go I'm this I'm starting the clock now right. and hopefully no one else had the idea like you know six months ago. totally because <laughs> <laughs> then they, they beat me to it right um so I spent the year like learning how to dance making this video and then uh putting it together and putting it out and this time I was like try to make it go viral so this time I like Looked, I looked up, like, emails for a bunch of reporters and, like, contacted them. Uh, all cold outreach. Like, Interesting. Then to put it on Reddit. I, like, did all this. I was like, what are all the things I could do to promote it? Not knowing how to promote something on the internet, but just, like, let me just think of everything I could possibly do and do it. And then it worked. And this thing went... I mean, I just remember the... I don't know if you remember the the the, the feeling the first time something of yours went viral. But, like, I just remember this thing. Like, I think I and this was almost 10 years ago, um, going to bed with like 80,000 views yeah. and then waking up with a million. Oh my God. And, and the first time that that happens, it's like, what the heck? Totally. Now it's not It's not as big of a deal now because we make videos regularly. We have a larger audience. Um, views are much more inflated now. I feel like a million views 10 years ago was like, it's like oh, yeah. equivalent to a lot more views today, you know? So that
1: was that... That was how that all happened. Wow, so you've it's it's wild to hear that like you've gone viral in like so many different avenues. Like I feel like when I started, I think when some of my like dance videos would go viral. Well, I wouldn't even say viral. It would just be like much more than normal and that was always really cool, but I've never I've never done something that was like Internationally viral I don't think Maybe I did like One um, Filipino video Where I was like Cooking Filipino food And it was like On the news In the Mm -hmm. Philippines And I was like Okay Mm -hmm. I'll I'll consider That viral sure (laughs) But Mm -hmm. it's it's just Wild that like you figured out how to market it. Because even like doing a Google search, like after we started talking on Instagram, I was like, oh, I want to see everything about this girl. And then like when I type your name in Google, like it's the SEO is like working in your favor. Like there's like, you have like Pinterest like links, you have everything that like, if I was better at my job, I would do. But like, (laughs) I get so like bogged down by the promotion of it all that I'm like, oh, put on stories and that'll be it. But it's like, I could be doing so much more. Well, I I know, I think everyone feels
0: like, oh, they should be doing so much more promotion. And I think it's so much like an energy thing. It's like, do you gain energy from promoting or not? And I gain energy from promoting to a certain extent. I also don't enjoy it as much, but I think- I really enjoy the gamification of it. I really enjoy, like, trying to figure out yeah. how, to, how to crack it. And it used to be actually so easy to get press. All you needed— Okay, so this was back in, like, I don't know, maybe, like, 2014. Uh-huh. Around then, like, it was a lot easier to make something go viral, even if you didn't have any sort of audience or following. And all you needed to do was, like, come up with a, a concept that would make for a good news headline. Got it, yes. So, like, girl learns to dance in a year. That's a good news headline. Or, like, I came up with, you know, I came up with a, with just, like, a phone technique, so, and then I called it, like, this new selfie technique, mm. right? Because that was a good headline. So it's just, like, thinking about, okay, how can I make any concept into a good headline? And then you go and you, like, basically find reporters who have written about anything similar, and then you cold pitch them. And then I would... I would honestly reach out to, like, 300 reporters.
1: Whoa!
0: Yeah. So it was—and then maybe you get, like, three of them to write about you. Wow. So, like, the hit rate is very, very, very low, even for a video that's, like, pretty interesting. But if you could get even three reporters to write about it and then that article does well, then all these other reporters start writing about right. it. Right. And so then it—so then— it, you could fairly reliably get something to go viral by following that format, and I don't think that many people knew about it, but it was so easy back then relative to how it is now. Now, I feel like the only way to do it is you have to amass an audience and a following. Right. Because otherwise, it is almost impossible to make something go viral, unless, you know, you get make something go viral on TikTok, which people talk about as if it's easy, but it is so hard.
1: <laughs> to go viral on TikTok? Yeah, it's so competitive. What do we what do we consider viral for TikTok or Reels? Like, what's the 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 view threshold? Is it like five million, eight million, or more?
0: I would say viral on any platform is just like uh, a much larger uh, number than your than your follower count. Okay, okay. So that's how I would define it for anyone. So like, if you have ten thousand followers and you have something a video
1: that gets a hundred thousand followers, well, that's viral for you. Understood. Yeah. So it you scales know? depending on the individual.
0: Right, because there's no like industry-wide definition of viral, and so I think we should just have our own individual definitions.
1: Yeah, I definitely. I yeah. really like that. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, I feel like the stuff that's gone viral for me on on Reels or uh, TikTok specifically is like something that r- meant nothing to me. Like I didn't put yeah. any effort into it. It was literally my cat doing something, and it's like, Ugh. yeah. And then I do like a. a stop motion or like a crazy time lapse and nothing. And it's like, isn't Ugh! that so frustrating? Yes. And that's how it was it's in the dance. In fury. Oh my God. In every single it's avenue. Yeah. I do it like with YouTube, anytime I spend like a ton of effort doing something, reels, um, dance pieces, like my favorite dance pieces get like zero views compared to my Kim Possible yeah. video, which is still fun, but like it took a day, you know, to choreograph. Right. Right.
0: So that phenomenon of like, oh, I just, did this random thing and it totally blew up on TikTok has never happened to me. Oh, no. Because I put a lot of effort into every single thing I put out. (laughs) So sometimes the thing I put a lot of effort in blows up. Usually it doesn't. I mean, I feel like people have this perception of me like, oh, everything you touch turns to gold and goes viral. But like, no, the vast majority of stuff does not. You are seeing the stuff that goes viral by definition. Right. But like, trust me, most of the stuff I'm putting out is not going viral. Yeah.
1: I mean, all your content is like, I, I look at it and I'm like, wow, that took so much effort and time. Like, I wish I had the dedication. Like I have dedication, but it's scattered. Like I'll do like a DIY and then a construction thing here and then I'll design this thing and graphics here. And it's like, I feel like you are focused is what it comes off online of like you can direct and you can do all these crazy tricks with the camera. And it's like, you're the expert in that, but like, well,
0: yeah, it's so interesting. You say it. I mean that word dedication, because I feel like the people who are consistent and making because I look at your content, you're making a YouTube video every week. Yeah, you freaking banked all your content before you went on the Netflix show, which is incredible. We have to talk oh, about yeah. that. Oh my god! You're doing this podcast. You have this whole empire. You're doing all these. You're on all these different platforms. And for me, I just literally do not have the energy <laughs> for that. I don't. I'm not a super high energy person. So I have to just be like, well, what do I have the energy for? Yeah, I have the energy. F- to focus on, like, one platform and to repost on others. So I had the energy to focus on one platform, which is Instagram, and I have the energy to repost on, like, TikTok and maybe YouTube Shorts and maybe Snapchat Spotlight when they were paying money. Yeah. But, like, that's all I have energy for. And the I actually resisted being an influencer for so, so long. So the influencer thing is super new to mm. me. I only started that, like, in the last two years. And I resisted doing it, being an influencer for so long. One, because I had judgment against yeah. it. I was like, ugh, I'm not an influencer. And then two, because I thought I could never be so consistent because I see people posting every day or every week and I was like, I could never do that. And so what I figured out is, okay, I just need to post less frequently but I try to make everything that I do like something that's really interesting and good and unique.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really smart way to do it, especially like I've been doing this for 10 years, the influencer world, which I honestly yeah. still have some resistance to it, just because of the word influencer and even now content creator, like it's not, it doesn't mm-hmm. make me feel good. <laughs> and so like yeah. for the longest time, like I didn't want people to call me a YouTuber because I was like, I, I that's one of the 19 things. You know, I didn't want to be yep. just put into one smaller box, and then it was like, oh, but the content I'm making on YouTube feels a little bit, a little bit more premium than just like a YouTube vlog, you know. And so it's like, okay, that doesn't feel right either. And then now that I saw like people on reality shows being content creators, it was like, why well, don't do that? So what is my title? Like, I've always been kind of confused on what to call myself. But it's so funny. It's a whole thing.
0: There's always a negative association. Whatever whatever we're called, there's always a negative association. YouTuber, yeah, always like seen as less premium influencer. Then it's just like Egh. right. Okay, now content creator. Soon, content creator is. I feel like I feel like we keep having having to rebrand the name. Totally, because <laughs> we do. Because it keeps getting negative connotations, <laughs> so we keep just We're just like, well, we'll just call ourselves something else now. <laughs>
1: that's so funny yeah it's like I mean but I I guess that's like I'm very grateful now to like be making this transition into interior design and like TV hosting because it's like okay finally now like my title matches how I feel you know and like for you creative director like we get we have what we feel like yes
0: exactly I think for the longest time I called myself a director when it was a complete imposter syndrome thing yes because there's no like certification for director there's no thing that you pass that now you're called a director yeah you know and so I, for the longest time I'm just like I'm just gonna call myself a director and pretend until like you know I feel legit and then I'm just gonna call myself a creative director even though that's actually kind of a high level position in an ad agency but I was like whatever I'm just gonna take it and <laughs> as opposed to like content creator yeah you know Because, I mean, I am a content creator, Mm -hmm. frankly, but I don't like to call myself that because it has a less premium connotation. So I was just like, I'm just gonna put creative director in my bio instead. Just gonna try to make it feel more premium as best I can.
1: And doesn't it make a difference with like the people that are coming to your page to look at it and also for you when like you're looking at your page and you go, yes, I feel like a creative director. Like that's how I'm I'm telling you like my name, essentially. If we were gonna give titles, that's our name. it does. Okay, so I have a funny
0: story because I've changed careers many times. Mm -hmm. And so one of the career changes that I had, first one actually was from like project manager to designer. So I was to like graphic and and, uh, UX, like UI designer. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember why I spent like six months trying to teach myself design. And then I was trying to get a job as, as a designer and so I would, I was like, okay, I'm not ready, but like, let me just, I'm so ready to leave my job that let me just like try and get this job. So I would send applications and emails of being like, I'm looking for a job as a designer. Uh-huh. And, and no, no response crickets. And then I just changed one thing in my emails, which was, I said, I am a designer. Yes! <laughs> and then I just started getting <laughs> like interviews. That was all it took. <laughs> so you just have to, like, pretend sometimes until... Totally. You know, just call yourself the thing that you want to be. Just just do it. Yeah. Unless it's, like, doc- unless it's something certified, like, doctor or lawyer. Don't do that. Right, 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 But if there's no official certification, just call yourself the
1: thing. Yeah. That's what I'm learning, too. I mean, like, now when I made the tra- transition, to begin the transition from dancing and making YouTube videos, which are always, like, DIY-based, but into, like, actual interior design, I remember someone telling like a friend of mine, it was like a a comment on a friend's channel that I was maybe on in a video. And they were like, Hey, like tell Megan that she can't call herself an interior designer. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And like, I looked it up and I was like, Oh, I understand why they say that. Because like, in order to be a technical interior designer, you need a four year bachelor's degree with like codes. So there is an official certification. Yes. And so I was like, Got it. Not going to call myself an interior designer, but I can call myself a designer because I've been graphic designing, I've been DIY designing, yes. I've been doing interior stuff. Well, there's no official certification for just design, totally, as well. And and yeah. now that I'm in school for uh, an actual certification, not a four year degree, but just a certification to do like residences, that's like what I think is going to hit my uh, my imposter syndrome. I think that's what's going to like nip it in the bud Mm -hmm. if it doesn't Mm -hmm. then we'll get there (laughs) because I'm like oh man like I do feel it's weird because like I do feel like I still have imposter syndrome but I am like working on three actual interior design projects that I'm getting paid for so I'm like I'm I'm doing this thing and I'm getting paid for it so it's a job but I still don't feel like that's like I can call myself that. It's so. interesting. I've just made peace that I'll always have imposter syndrome, mm. no matter what. And I think it's
0: normal and natural. And I read somewhere that like the the more, in many ways, the more talented or successful you are in your field, the more you do have imposter syndrome. Because the thing is, that your taste can always outpace your ability. Yes. Like you're you're you actually need that. Like you're counting on that. You're counting on your taste always being better than your ability. I think it's like an Iris Ira Glass quote or something. Because that way you will push yourself to always be better. So you have an awareness of where all your weaknesses are. And so that is part of where the imposter syndrome is coming from. It's like, oh, but I have all these things I still need to get better at. But then the, the opposite of imposter syndrome is, that, is, I don't know if you heard, the Dunning-Kruger effect. No. I don't know if I'm even saying that I've right. I've never heard of it. But it's basically, it's basically the effect where everyone thinks that they're above average and it's the effect where actually the, the less competent you are in something, the more confident you are, the better you can guard Because you actually have no idea what you don't know. Totally. So in that sense, having imposter syndrome is a good
1: sign. Right. Because it shows that you are self-aware <laughs> of your improvement areas. Wait, that's so <laughs> true. And I love it so much. That's, oh my God. Okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. And just, I don't want to. Always be living with it, though. Like, the, I guess not in the way that I, when you're like, oh, I've just accepted it. Like, I would love to accept it. If it didn't, well, you know what? Now that I think about it. But it affects you in a way that you don't want it to affect yeah. you. Yeah, but you something yeah. that I think I've been struggling with is like, the other people thing of like, I've always kind of cared what other people thought, especially being a creator yes. online of like, what are people yes. going to think of this video? And and it's just like, okay, are they going to think I'm stupid, funny, smart, whatever it is. Yes. And so now when I'm thinking that like, I'm going down this design path, it's like everything I create has to be Incredible so that other people can go, yes, she is mm-hmm. a designer. And it's like, well, who are you? Why yes. are you proving this to anyone other than yourself? And like, I know what I can do, but I think it's like the other people haven't seen my taste in my mind, exactly like what you were saying. Like, yes. I know my trajectory, I know where I'm gonna end up, I know what I'm capable of. And maybe other people do too, but I feel like until they see it, then I'm not credited. Like I'm not a, a certified, credible. Do you feel like that
0: pressure has gone up since you've gone on this Netflix show and gotten a lot more like
1: credibility, notoriety? hundred percent. There was one article yeah. that like I was crying over because in the, in the, we just got, or we wrap around here. We just announced that we are uh, pushing out a second season, which we actually shot all in one.
0: Okay. I was like, so curious about that. I was like, wait. They must have shot this before the first one even aired. What yes, happened? So we
1: shot all, we shot 16 episodes around the world and we didn't really know like how it was going to shake out. Oh. So it was like we were, then they, they picked like the first season, if you will, even though we shot it in, in one like chunk oh. and they put it out Smart. to see if like people liked it. And if it they did, then we would put out the next eight episodes. Oh, so the second half could have just been totally cut if the show take. Yeah, I guess. Oh, wow.
0: Well, the show did phenomenally <laughs> well, so not a problem. Right,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, thank God. But the thing is like, I've I've seen the second season, they showed us like a little a host copy, like a private copy before it comes out. And it's better than the first, which I love. Like the, the first one was really mm-hmm. cool and fun because you you get to see the world and you can kind of understand like that there's so much out there. But since we were positioned as experts in our field in um, culture design and real estate, I I feel like... Th- what I'm capable of wasn't put into the show because yeah. it's only 30 minutes yeah. and we're seeing three different properties. Like, it's got to be so yeah. bingeable to be on Netflix or any streaming platform that it's like, we don't get to see me designing, me working with my hands. Yeah. I'm, I'm not building these vacation rentals because we're just visiting. So it right. was like, how do I prove that I'm a designer without? showing a certification in the beginning because in the beginning like my sears explainer says i'm a diy designer and so people Mm -hmm. are like hey she's the designer where's the design like at some points because are people actually saying that? well in some in some uh like articles it was like is she a designer like we we know she's it says Uh, she's a designer but like is she and so like uh, when that happened i was like oh I don't like this feeling because like, yeah, yeah the, the more yeah. eyeballs, especially, I don't know, 50 million that lasers
0: in on any sort of imposter syndrome you would have had and
1: pff, totally like magnifying glass yeah. with an ant. Like, it's like, okay, we're going to yeah. scorch you until, until you get yeah. a degree. And so like, that was a really tough thing for me to, to be like, oh my God, okay. Well, when the second season comes out, you'll see that I talk about design a lot more. And so I'm like, okay, thank mm-hmm. God for that. And hopefully mm-hmm. if we get a third season, which we have not shot yet, and we don't know if we're going to get, but if, if the second season does well, then um, by the time we go back on the road, if we do, then I will have my certification. So like, I'll be, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> How much do you think you're getting the certification for you versus for like... <laughs> I think a half and half externally what society needs. It's like, I definitely think half and half. Well, the thing is it's, I'm learning so much through it that I'm like, Oh, this would be great just for me. But I think definitely, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would say 50, 50, but it's definitely close of like, I definitely want to learn all of the things that I need in to do this craft like all coding and like all the the terminology for different fabrics and like what the the limited space or like the minimum space you can have between like a stove and an island you know because like actual function there's so much of that that I didn't really know before because I I know what looks good like when you're creative you can make anything work visually but when it comes to design and you know there's like user interface and user experience like it has to be functional yeah and so yeah it's definitely I'm learning a lot in that for me and it, it definitely helps me like the more percentages I get in it it makes me feel more validated but when I have a certification posted on my wall I think it's gonna be like exactly a big you're gonna have
0: the official stamp um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I felt kind of similar to you, where like the more quote unquote success I get, the more okay. Here's what it is. It's like so for the past year and a half, two years, I've really focused on growing my Instagram followers, yeah. and so I started about uh, a year and a half, two years ago with like I don't know, three thousand followers. Wow! And then now I have a million. Yeah, you and it's, amazing. it's from like it's from like constant. Growth hacking—it's from like me actually, le- legit trying to grow my Instagram. Um, and I've I've realized that as my Instagram gets bigger and bigger, I feel so much more pressure, and I censor myself so much yes. more on what I post. Oh my god! Because it's like I—it's like okay. Here's here's what I'm, here's what I don't here's all the feeling I'm trying to avoid. I don't want someone to go on my Instagram page uh-huh. and be like. I don't get what the big deal is. Like, I don't get why she's oh. got that many followers. Oh, no one would and ever I think, think that. Stems, <laughs> I, I think that stems from, like, me being judgmental, honestly, because I'm a pretty judgmental person, and I'm, like, working on being less judgmental. Mm-hmm. But I have gone on other TikTok accounts or Instagram accounts and been like, I don't get why they have the millions of followers. Their are kind of so boring. Yeah. And so because I, ex- because I judge other people in that way, then I judge myself on that way. 10 times it's hard, Totally, you know? Yes. So, so I think it's this feeling of like, and so as I was actually, I, I hit a million followers on Instagram fairly recently. And as I was approaching it, I started feeling like increasingly anxious because I'm just like, okay, I need to be performing at the level that this follower account indicates. Right. Like, I need to, because I know there's so so many incredibly talented, like, directors and editors who have way fewer followers, and that's for many factors, probably the main of which is that they just didn't prioritize growing Instagram like I did, you know? That's probably the biggest factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people just have a natural tendency to judge people based off of the, those numbers and the relative numbers. Oh, absolutely. Um, And so, but yeah, I was just—I was just thinking how, like, when I started out, when I had the fewer followers you have on any platform, the more like free you are to explore. Oh my god! Um, And then the bigger you get, the more you just need to like, okay, I need to really censor myself. And there's things that I make that I just never post because I'm just like, I don't really think it
1: hits the bar anymore.
0: Oh, nice. Whereas two years ago, I would have posted that. I would have posted that no problem. Right. But now
1: I'm just like, I don't even post it. Wow. So when you were doing growth hacking and a lot of, oh, I guess. Instagram's multiple algorithms change so frequently, but I'm wondering like, consistency, that was like what was fed to me when I started as a creator of like, you have to be consistent. It doesn't really matter if it's good or not, like in your mind, because I'm always like you like really hard on myself. And like, I hold myself to a a standard that is sometimes unreachable for me. And, but like all of my team was like, just consistency, consistency, post two times a week, post every day on YouTube or uh, two times a week on YouTube, every day on Instagram, like be everywhere all the time. And it was just like, back then, I feel like I could because one, I had more time, and I wasn't like burnt yeah. out, and I didn't know the the repercussions yeah. of such actions. Yeah. But I guess where what steps did you take in order to grow, and how many times did you have to change it with the algorithm? Right. So,
0: um, this is interesting because i w- I also thought that in order to grow my following, I had to be really consistent. And I knew I was not capable of being consistent. Like I know myself. I know my strengths and weaknesses. I just know that, not only can, and I'm not capable of it, but I just don't want to live that kind of life. Like it's just not for yeah. me. I I'm mad at respect and admire people who are able to do it. I'm just not. Um, uh, but then I saw a few accounts that had grown pretty big and they were only posting like once or twice a month. Mm. And I was like, okay, I know it. I know it's possible. Um,
1: on Instagram.
0: So on Instagram. Oh, yeah, wow. On Instagram. And so I have this whole strategy for growing and I'm actually working on a five-part series where I go into the strategy of doing it. And it might be out by the time this podcast goes out. I don't know. But basically, to give you a recap of what I do is I try to make fewer things, but I try to make each thing go viral. Mm. And then the way I make it go viral is um, not just trying to make it go viral on the Reels algorithm because, frankly, you and I have zero control over that. Mm -hmm. We post it and just pray for the best. So the way you can actually kind of control the virality a little bit is I send it to larger pages on Instagram and I send it to the pages that are in my niche. So my niche is filmmaking. And so I will send it to like all the different filmmaking pages. And I've been doing that for the past two years. So now I have relationships with all of them. But when I started out, I didn't. So it was just like trying to build those relationships and getting them to post. And so I get them to post my work. And so that's basically a way to engineer going viral you're not actually going viral but it has the same effect yeah because you're getting way more views than you would have otherwise and so i basically grew my account by doing this and then if i had a video that was a little more funny that i could post it on it was still filmmaking but it was more of like funny filmmaking then I could post it, get it posted on the bigger like humor pages, which are much larger audience yeah. than the filmmaking pages. If I had a filmmaking video that had a travel slant, or I could put a travel slant on it, then I could get it reposted on travel pages, which also have a much bigger audience than the filmmaking pages. Interesting. So that was basically how I how I grew it. So
1: when you reach out to these people and you send your so you it's like you post the video, you send it to them through like a DM, and then you ask them. Yeah. To, so there's a whole strategy uh, for that. Okay.
0: Um, when you are smaller, it's a lot harder to get noticed because these pages, they do get tons of DMs. Uh-huh. So I would say actually email them um, because they get fewer emails. Uh-huh. So it's easier to stand out if you email them. Um, uh, also, a lot of these accounts, they sh- it says who runs them. So go follow the person who runs them and just start interacting and like, building a relationship with the actual person. Because yeah. that, that, that personal account doesn't get as many DMs or messages. And then the really important thing is to only send them your really good stuff. So only send them the stuff that's actually performing like your top 10% of posts. Because if you actually send them something that's not that great and they decide to post it and it doesn't perform well on their page, they're not going to post you again. Right. Ultimately, you want it to perform well on their page because they're doing it so that they can get followers too. So like, let's make everyone win here, you know? And so I only, I don't post, I don't send every single thing that I post. Um, but if I have something that's like, okay, this is going to do well, and I actually legit think it's going to do really well on their page, I'll send it. And that's why I have relationships with these pages now, because they're noticing, oh, every time we post her content, it seems to do well. And so that makes it easier and easier for me every time. Yeah,
1: and building trust. Yeah. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like Forge FX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. It's just a tip. It's just a tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, that's so wild. I've never really thought about when I when I think of Instagram, I guess it came after. YouTube for me like it it was mm-hmm. I had Instagram in high school but I never used it like I am using now. So with YouTube mm-hmm. it was like cross promotion and collabing was like the only way to grow like back in OG YouTube days. And yeah. now it's like yeah, I guess it obviously Instagram is I think in my opinion bigger than YouTube, especially for growth. Like, YouTube is so hard to grow right now. But, oh, you think I, so? I do. Instagram. Um, yeah, I think mm-hmm. Instagram is much easier to grow on. I mean, especially with Reels. I mean, like, in my mind, it's yes, like. Yes, with Reels. Now with Reels. Yeah. Before Reels, Instagram growth was really. It hard. was definitely not cool yeah. <laughs> for for quite some time, but it's like. It was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> we can all say it, it was an issue. It's like thinking about Instagram and collabing that way and cross promotion, like, I used to do on YouTube, that's something that I didn't really explore before. And I'm only starting now mm-hmm. to do the social part of social media because before right. it was like, oh, I make a YouTube video. I make small cutdowns. I put it on Instagram. I do this on Twitter. Da, da, da. But now I'm starting to interact with a bunch of design pages and a bunch of like different prop stylists and interior people. And it's like, whoa, this is so cool. Like this is, this is the social media that everybody else was using, you know, that I didn't know about because I was just like, Oh, I'm a company. I'm a, I'm an empire putting all this stuff out because I, I make content everywhere. And it's like, Oh, but you are forgetting about the reason social media exists is to be social and connect with people.
0: Yes. Yes. I also ignored Instagram for the longest time because I just thought it was a place for like super hot women. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, but then like I've recently said, okay, there's like really amazing design. There's really amazing artists. There's really, there's like insanely amazing creativity on here. There is. And you just have to. You just have to unfollow all the like <laughs> boring content and follow the people creating interesting stuff.
1: Truly. It's it's I'm trying to get back on the train of um of consistent posting on Instagram. Cause I guess if 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 we were to like try to get our, I guess like our products tantamount to each other, like one of your filmmaking pieces and one of my rooms, like these things take a lot of time. Yeah. So yes. no one's gonna wait for a room from me you know because it's like oh it's a picture whereas like you could watch a, a whole document or a whole video of whatever you know like your content it's like visual and it's moving for me it's like okay right. it's a picture if people don't like interior design they're going to scroll right past it okay but how long does it take for you to do a room? I guess it depends on what I'm doing so what I do now is like I will making youtube videos is the only way to like show the entire process and then I can cut that down Mm. into smaller things and if I was a better content creator then I would do a lot of like reels for rooms which I am it would just be so much easier but like I was with my I'm doing a rental property with a business partner of mine and we were demoing our the house that we have and it was like okay this is when we should do a reel and it's like oh I don't want to though and he's like I know but we need to and it was just like we Mm -hmm. it's like one of those things where it's like love to see it hate to do it like it's yeah why do you feel like you you have that resistance? I guess it's just like it takes me out of the art of it and I think that's also why shooting YouTube videos when I'm demoing or designing it's like but yeah. this is like something that's like really precious to me and it's so passionate and it's so intimate. It's like, it's me and like a, a dirty chai and like just my candle. And it's me like picking out swatches and, and drawing and sketching. And it's like, I like that for me. It's it's nourishing, right. it's refreshing, it recharges me. But to have a camera there and worrying about the angles to think like, oh, is this going to be yep. a good enough video? Is this going to look good on yes. Instagram? Completely takes you out of the flow. Totally. The and that's, yeah. I think that's what's so hard about what I do now of like, I can do it, but I don't like to do it. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
0: You know, it's interesting. I I experienced a similar thing, even though my job is literally filmmaking, making these videos. um, My behind the scenes is usually staged. And what I mean by that is, I mean, it's not faked, but it's a recreation. Totally. So what I do is I get the shot first. I'm not shooting behind the scenes while I'm getting the shot because it's going to take me a while to figure out the shot. I've got to adjust all these things, change all these things. And then only after I get the shot and I'm happy with it, then I set up the behind the scenes tripod camera and then I redo it basically. And so, that's the only way I found to do it. Because if I actually try and shoot behind the scenes the whole time I'm doing it, then it's gonna take me out. Now, for you, it's harder because you probably need to shoot like a time lapse of the room, so you can't just recreate it afterwards. But I totally feel what you're saying, which is like, well, documenting behind the scenes takes you out of the moment of doing it. But but you have to do (laughs) it. I know. And and
1: sometimes what I've learned um, after like. So many iterations of burnout, and I would love to talk about that too. Oh, we got to get to the to. burnout stages <gasps> oh of burnout. Oh my God. But after this last burnout, what put me in this last burnout was um, I was like, I don't. I don't do TikTok and I need help so badly and so like I found mm-hmm. uh this really talented girl via DMs um and she helped me with TikTok for like a month and then when we were like building those videos I was like okay I'll do reels because they're it's like sisters mm-hmm. not twins same thing yeah and so it's like mm-hmm. okay you do TikTok because you're better at that I'll do Instagram because it's fun for me like reels and then I got so immersed in it and I was following all these strategy pages all of these like analytics everything and and I just, it just broke me. Like actually one day mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, like fuck all of this. Like I'm going to quit yeah. everything and I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do social media anymore. Cause this is awful. And so that was like really intense. And so now that when I, What I found that works for me when shooting content is putting like my phone on a time lapse because it's so simple with an iPhone and and then I'll like demo a room or I'll put like a camera somewhere for like a couple quick insert shots if I'm doing something that's like monumental, like knocking down a wall or, you know, doing something that like I can't recreate. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. any... And like, I just collect all of that footage and then I do a talking head and I sit down and I basically narrate the entire thing. And it's worked mm-hmm. so much better for me because I don't feel like, sometimes you don't feel like how you have like this social energy to be on camera, yeah. especially when you're yeah. doing labor things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, exactly. that's really helped me, but I was also uh, thinking about what you just said about uh, recreating what you can recreate. Like, uh, my, my boyfriend works in film for sound. And so he's always around, um, like reshooting things, especially when their house shows. And it's like, yeah, half of that stuff is just inserts. So like, once you do it, Mm. undo the last little bit, and then we'll just tape an insert of that. And I'm like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, it could be way simpler than doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like in the moment. Yeah. So that's definitely what Mm. I've learned. And I guess like from every burnout, you learn something. Okay. So
0: I want to hear about your burnout. Oh my
1: God. I feel like. And then I can go. (laughs) I was like my, my like chronological order of burnouts. I can't even really count them, but I know that there was like three monumental ones that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And every time it happens, I mean, I think the first one, I had just become a full-time creator where like I quit my restaurant job and I was doing brand deals and I think I just had way too much on my plate, which I always do. But like back then I didn't know how much I could handle until it showed me and it was like no more than this. And I think I just like had a, probably a panic attack or just crying or something like that. And then, um, my second burnout was just, um, never taking a break. Like I just was always on, always recording. My relationships were failing because it was like what I had prioritized was my relationship with the camera. And it was like, what yeah. is, what, are, what is the audience getting? And I would like live my life for the video. And like, sometimes mm. as an introvert, I wanted to stay in, but my vlog for the week, cause I used to do two videos per week on YouTube and my vlog for the week, I didn't do anything interesting. So I was like, well, I have to go do something now. And then I would like Mm. be out on Hollywood Boulevard doing something crazy just for the video. And it's like- This is a curse of the vlog. Yeah, I know. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, this isn't it for me. And so- It's like every time I I do have a burnout, I learn a little bit more about what I want to do. Because after that, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not putting my relationship online. I'm not going to vlog around my friends and I'm not going to do something I don't want to do. And so I was like, okay, with Mm -hmm. those parameters, now what do I want to do? Okay, I'll just do talking head setups. And then it's like, from there, what do you want to do? Okay, now I I start to find like design and fashion lifestyle. And it's like, okay, every burnout gets me a little closer to like things that are not going to burn me out. Yes, Exactly. You just have to learn the hard way. Some things
0: you have to learn the hard way. I know. Okay.
1: <laughs> your turn. Your burnout turn. Okay.
0: So I felt like my whole life has just always been about, like, how can you be more productive? Yes. How can you do more? Yes. Like, you live your life by, like, let's do more. Oh, my God. You know? And it's, like, it's just drilled into you, both in American culture and in, like, Asian culture. It's just drilled into you in every direction. Yes. Um, and it's just how I want to naturally be seen and perceive myself and all that and productivity hacks and all that. So, yep. um, and so the first time I hit the point where it was too much was I had actually, I had like a small production company, a small video production company, and I had four employees and I did not realize how stressful it would be to have employees. Yeah. Everyone tells you, and I was not prepared for
1: it. Wait, I was, people tell you? I didn't know that either.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Everyone told me how stressful it would be to have employees. And I knew it would be bad, but I didn't know it would be that bad.
1: <laughs> Wait, okay. I, say more about that. Because for me, I think I am i just work whenever I like have the creative stimulation to. And so having set yeah. hours, I think, is the hardest part for me. To, to be like, okay. if, if I don't do something, then this person doesn't get paid.
0: Yes. Okay. So I think having employees... Um, brought out in me, I think, a very deep seated fear that was not tested before, okay. which is a financial stress. So, I, 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 there's some people with a certain personality type where they just, it's like no amount of money could make them feel safe. Mm. Like, you can just never have enough money. You're always like saving for a rainy day, you're always worried about like losing everything. And, like, I just fall into that. And so, I think what was really stressing me out was the fact that so much money was leaving my bank account every month to pay employees I didn't realize how stressful that would be because it makes it so that you have to close this business you just have to otherwise you're going to start bleeding like tons and tons of money um and so that I think really freaked me out um and I wasn't psychologically prepared for that Mm -hmm. um I also wasn't prepared for um okay one so your employees become your financial dependents but they also in many ways become your emotional dependents because when you're just working with contractors, then um, they're not expecting to get all their career fulfillment from you because they're doing lots of different projects and they just need to be fulfilled in that one project. Mm-hmm. But if someone is your employee, then, well, they're pegging their career to you. And so you need to give them career fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And career fulfillment is very tied in emotion. And so I, wasn't, I didn't expect all, all of this emotional kind of relationship now. Um, and so I think both of those things stressed me out incredibly much. Um, and it just got to a point where it was affecting my health. And so it was like, I started developing like tingling in my hands that started really stressing me out. That really worried me. Um, and it turned out to be fine. Um, but you know, I've had it for years actually. Um, but I had just, I was just getting all these physical symptoms yeah. of stress. Um, and then there was just one night where I like just, Threw up from stress, and that was the first time that that had ever happened. And I was like, "Oh, Whoa. I think I'm actually stressed." Yeah, because I before then I think I was stressed, but I didn't even realize it. I was like, "Okay, I've got under control. Like things are fine. I'm gonna do this and do this." You're just in such problem solving mode that you don't even feel one hundred percent. And then your body is just like, "I'm gonna throw up now," because like, you're not listening. You are stressed. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure you listen. I'm like, "Okay, I think I'm actually <laughs> yeah, stressed. loud and clear." So then I was like, "Okay, I need to make some changes." So that was the first time that I burned out, and so. So now I'm solo, and I think that's like much better for me. And I feel like I actually almost hit a burnout very, very recently. Um, and what happened there was I just had a really stressful uh, work project. And um, normally my work my work projects are not that stressful mm-hmm. um, because I give myself a lot of margin of error. But this particular project was just really stressful. Sometimes you can't avoid it, and then it just it triggered the cycle of insomnia for me. Oh. Um, and insomnia, I just do not deal well with at all. And then, so once I have insomnia, then it's like, I, I can, I can do so much less. Totally. Um, I, I feel like I I can normally handle like 10 medium sized tasks a day and then, you know, one large task and 10 medium sized tasks a day. And then when I have insomnia, I can like barely handle two small tasks. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like, it's totally crippling for me. And so I'm just now getting out of that and I'm just like, okay, like, (laughs) These things can destroy me like overnight practically. So I need to kind of balance my workload and start being a lot more selective about what I say yes to. And so this is like, I'm, so I've, have just now I'm, I'm recalibrating. Cause I feel like you always, the, the level at which, at which you have to start being more selective mm-hmm. can increase rapidly if like things are blowing up. Like I'm sure for you, when the Netflix show blew up, then all these, all this stuff started coming your way and you had to like recalibrate.
1: Yeah. You know, when, when. Yeah. I have so much to say about that, understanding what to say yes and no to, because I'm, I'm like barely understanding that. Cause like right now I just, I think it's, I'm notorious for just saying yes to everything. Um, yeah. I, I will say no to something if I, I don't think there's any value for either party, like in the long term. Um, but like sometimes I will act out of scarcity of being like, yeah, I'll take yes. that because like, I need that money. Cause what if all of this falls down, you know? Like what if Instagram, like, shuts down for some reason or like you know uh, it's like I do have kind of a stable income because like I'm my own boss but at the same time it's like well if the brands aren't coming in then I'm not gonna get paid this month and how am I gonna afford my mortgage and my car and my rental property like I've got a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and so I just like need Mm -hmm. to continually bring in income because I don't know when I'm gonna fall off quote-unquote and like I've been telling my team for like the longest time like I've always been like yeah I'm about to fall off so like what's my exit strategy I've been saying that for like five years and like it I just keep on Mm. growing so it's like even my therapist was like I where is this coming from like why do you always think that like it's not going to last or why do you think it's going to fail when every year a new opportunity that's better and more aligned with your direction is happening and I'm like I don't know I, it's probably something deep seated in your child. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Like, like everything. it's like
0: all the evidence in the world could point <laughs> to this not happening, but you'll still feel this way. And I completely relate to it. But I, I agree. I think you know I'm, I'm often operating from a scarcity mindset when I say, oh, I'm, I'm operating from an abundant mindset <laughs> when really I'm just like aspirationally yes. abundant <laughs> mindset. like I'm not actually, I'm pretending. Um, so I'm trying to get myself to actually be in an abundant mindset yes. so that I really can like default to say no to things and just focus on the few yeah. things that like really, really make sense. Um, and so that's that. I mean, it's it's an incredible position to be in. Like, I think it's a really these are all like amazing problems. To of have. course. And I feel like very privileged to be in this situation. Um, but I think, you know, it is you just have to I think there's such a strong cultural societal pressure to just always do more. Mm. And that's not how I'm going to live my happiest life.
1: No, it, it's interesting because like the more that I do, the more I burnt out I get. But something that like I really enjoy is being productive. And like when yes. whenever I finish a task, I feel so good about myself. Or like when I finish a room or when I do a full day of admin or like yesterday I designed for nine hours graphics for a different company. I was like, wow, I crushed that. And I feel so good about it. But the, the better I feel about like more work getting done the less my soul is like refreshed so it's it's this weird dichotomy of like how do i balance that where like i get a a high from from like being productive but if i'm too productive then i burn out so like i gotta find my threshold i guess yeah yeah When you are about to burn out, you said that you felt like you were almost at a burnout uh, very recently. What do you do in order to like back yourself off from the ledge?
0: Yeah. So I think I think I actually am a little less prone to burnout than others. And I think it's because my body does not tolerate that much. So like, I think there's some people who can just push themselves so hard. I know someone who um, literally he he was like really sick. This is pre-COVID days, so he was just, like, had a flu or something. Um, and he still, like, went on a flight and did his pitch and did everything and running in low sleep. And he was literally just walking on the sidewalk. And then he just, like, collapsed, like, passed out on the sidewalk. Like, just fell while walking. <gasps> in the middle of walking on the sidewalk, just fell. Oh and then hit his head and had to have stitches. So, like, that's how hard some people can push themselves. They will literally push themselves to the point of collapse. Whoa. And then I feel like I'm the opposite, where, like... As soon as I just get six hours of sleep instead of eight, as soon as the smallest thing, my whole body goes out of whack and it's just like, no, (laughs) like my body is just like, no, you're not allowed to do that. And so I'm just like, okay, fine. Oh, that's good. My body has, has always sort of like dictated things and ruled things and prevented myself from pushing myself too hard. And so it's like, I don't even, I'm not even, my body doesn't even let me get to that point of extreme burnout. It's like, it's like pre-burning out. So it's like, yeah. you can't, you're not even allowed to hit that wall. It's like bumpers we're gonna, in bowling. Yeah, yeah. We're going to break you before, <laughs> like, you're going to hit the, the brakes before you can even get to that point. So my burnouts have not been quite as dramatic. Mm-hmm. But, like, but, so I feel like I'm just constantly, I don't know. I, I'm just forced to listen to my body because it, uh, it affects me so much. Yeah. Um. And that's also why I don't do that much. That's also why I don't, like put out content as often and I don't, I'm not, as, I'm not on as many platforms and I'm not going to like go start a merch line and a podcast and a, like all these other things. Cause I just, I know realistically I don't have the energy to do all that stuff at once.
1: Yeah. I definitely don't think doing everything is sustainable. And I learned that the hard way uh, because yeah, I mean this whole career has been really um, as, as like rewarding And like exciting as it is to always be transitioning and pivoting, it's so confusing at the same time. And you're like, where am I going to put all my eggs in one basket, or am I going to put an egg here, an egg here, an egg here, and then all my attention is bifurcated? And then it's like, where do I like? How do you balance all of it being one person? And I think that's when like the employees do come in, and it's like, how like how sustainable is it to do everything? it's not. And so what I've learned is yeah. like, I've definitely scaled back. Like I started doing, uh, I started YouTube doing two videos a week and then a podcast every week. And then it was just like, okay, I every other week I do a podcast, every other week I do a YouTube video. And that's the only way that I can stay sane and still, mm-hmm. you know, make money and make cool things at the same time of making like a good life for myself. Mm-hmm. It's
0: been... Yeah, you're doing a lot. I mean, you're doing all the content creation and you're doing a full-time job of stuff on top of that. Yeah, I'm wondering, like... And school. Like, I'm actually not entirely sure how you're doing. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> like, how are those hours in the day adding up
1: for you exactly? I don't know. It's like, it's so funny because it's like one corner of my room is like super clean and then everything is a mess. And I think that's just like what my brain is too. It's like, yeah, we have everything <laughs> in order over here, but over there, it's like a trash can on fire. It's like, <sighs> Oh my God. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you too is like, you also do a ton of things and you've transitioned a couple of times over the years. What is it like to transition and what are the steps that you take in order to like make that leap? Because like leaping from one thing that you feel safety in and like that you've like, you feel like you have kind of control over it, and you're like, okay, I want to do this other thing. Leap in the net will appear, but the more that you grow and the more that you get successful, that leap is no longer like a lateral leap. It's like, oh, we, sometimes we're leaping down, but it's for something that's yeah. like better for us, or you know, uh, something we're taking a risk on. So, like, what's the what's your mindset when you're going through those transitions?
0: Yeah, I think this is such a good thing for you to bring up because I know you've gone through many of these leaps, yes, as well. Um, so, I think the first one is the hardest. The first career change or transition or content pivot or whatever, the first time you have to pivot in life, it's the hardest because you have probably at that point identified yourself by this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, think about your Twitter bio or your Instagram bio or your the, what people, the first thing people ask you when they meet you. Like, we all are forced to label ourselves in society, and usually we label ourselves by our profession. And so when you change the thing that you do, you're not only changing your job, but you're sort of having to change your identity and changing what you call yourself. Yeah. And so the first time that happens, it's very scary. Um, but I think I was just so unhappy doing it that I was like, I have to, because I just I couldn't tolerate doing what I was doing before anymore. Um, and then every transition after that is a little less scary. Um, I think for me, I'm such a novelty seeker. Like I Same. am so drawn to new things. Um, and that allows me to pivot because actually trying new things gives me energy. And so in some degree, pivoting, even though it's exhausting, also gives me energy. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think for many people, doing new things drains them. Um, I think this is, you know, a, a different type of person is more of a craftsman, a craftsperson who, like, they really gain energy from really refining one skill and building it over years and years and sometimes decades. That's a different personality type where, like, pivoting would really not be give them energy in, in any way whatsoever. And so I think it's very much like a personality or energy kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I'm very similar is the novelty thing is huge for me because I think that that's also why I like to do transformations ton, because it's like this yeah. room is like d- dreadful and then I redo it and then it's like so fun to be in. And then I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is so great. I love it so much. And then I look around the corner and I'm like, Oh, well that's kind of drab. And then I redo that room. And so there's so many people online that are like, do you just keep on redoing your rooms? Cause you like it or because like there's a something deep down that you like don't want to confront and I'm like no (laughs) (laughs) I know (laughs) they've said that oh my god I'm like no 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 no. I'm already confronting those things but like I just yeah I love it and there's never I'm always mid-project because my brain is just like so many creative ideas and they always keep changing so it's like once I do a room go to the next room next room next room and then I come back to the 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 initial room and I'm like oh well this could have like a little bit better and then I start to do the refinement for that room so it's like Mm. it's kind of both but the novelty thing is huge I uh I have one of my closest friends uh I think she I don't know if it was like an ADHD seminar or like ebook or something but it was saying that um to buy like a new pen is that will like satiate the novelty to like if you need to work on something but you don't want to get something that will make it a little bit more exciting which has been really cool because I've done that every now and then like, oh, I'm going to get like a new, you know, putty knife. And it's it helps a lot being Uh like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like now trowel this entire wall. It makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, And I think that's like a cool little tip, I guess, if you are listening and you're similar in terms of like needing novelty to do things that you don't want to do. That's been really helpful.
0: I'm curious for you because you've pivoted while having a following. Mm. So I've only pivoted before having a following really ever since I got a false social media following, I haven't really pivoted. Oh. but, um, but I'm, I'm maybe about to slightly but not drastically. <gasps> Fun. Um, but I'm curious for you because you've pivoted drastically yeah. <laughs> with a following. Um, and all traditional advice would say that that's terrible mm-hmm. for her engagement and social media numbers and all that. So I'm really curious to hear about what that whole thing was like for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like in the very beginning when I started social media, it was, I think it was only dance in the very beginning. So that was, that was fine. But I had to, I had to pivot once I was on this internet show called, uh, internet icon. And it was like, um, American Idol, but for like YouTube. And so, once I was on that show, I had gained, I think maybe 30,000 followers from it. And I had to merge those two audiences. And so I was like, okay, these people Mm want to see me dance. These people want to see my personality. How am I going to make this work? Mm -hmm. And so I would still make dance videos, but then I would put sketch comedy in the beginning at the end, kind of bookending it to go, everybody's satiated. And then when people started to get a little bit more into the personality thing. I just like just did personality stuff. But then I remember someone saying that I needed to do one thing on YouTube to grow. And I did so many things. And so I was like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. I guess the cooking videos do the best. And so I just did cooking videos for a little while. And then I ended up hating it because it was putting myself in a box and like that. I've learned that that's not the thing for me. And even like with design, like I'm definitely like honing in on it now. But I think what I need to realize is like the people that came for the personality and maybe they don't give a shit about design. I need to be able to speak to all audiences, like the people that do like artistry and design and architecture, but also like someone down to earth and messy and real, you know, like and like put those two together. And I think that would do well for me because I don't know if there's a lot of designers online that show their personality because it's so visual and it's so product oriented Mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, maybe that's carving my own niche. You know, like I just came across this idea yesterday, but the transition between that, it was very much like, I remember like posting online, like that I'm not going to dance anymore. And it was like, it was like a whole thing. Like people, it was almost like a RIP to the old me in a way. yeah And a lot of people came for that. And so it's like, I'm, I'm sorry if you came for that, but like, I'm not going to hold myself into what I think that everybody else wants just because it'll keep me, keep my engagement up. It'll keep me relevant. It's like, I would hate if I only did that for the following. And so it's like, and I think it's like, especially when you post something that's a little bit, um, I guess divisive or you post anything political, it's like, you're going to get, you're going to lose followers, but if you yeah. speak up for what you actually believe in, then you'll find the the like-minded people that you want your community and tribe to be anyway. So I think that's kind of the, the leap that I had to take with like, okay, I'm not going to dance anymore and I'm only going to post this stuff um, and I think I went like really far I always go really far <laughs> when I make a transition I'm like okay I'm going to go all the way instead of like there's a thing called the two millimeter rule that I learned in a self development seminar and it was based off of the instructor's friend who was a surgeon and everyone would, that would come in would want like a drastic change to their face and then the surgeon would mm. be like absolutely not I will not work on you if you want anything more than two millimeters of a change. Oh interesting yes because he was like you Usually all that it takes is such a slight pivot, but people think that it needs to be so much more. So they do, they, they end up becoming, looking like a different person because they didn't keep what made yeah. them them and just tweak very ever so slightly. It would just be too drastic. And so I think what I what I do um, kind of all the time is like go really intense and then I have to scale back. And by the time I scale back, I realized that it was only a two millimeter difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess I'm still making that transition and it is scary because people have come and I've amassed a following from one thing, but I think, I think what I've learned through like kind of multiple transitions is that when people come because of one thing, they end up staying because of the personality and the fun and like the relatability. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like as long as I don't lose that, regardless if I'm designing or working on cars or like, you know, anything, as long as I don't lose right. that thing or anyone doing anything, if you find what makes you, you and you can pivot to do whatever you love. But as long as you don't lose what makes you, you, I think that's the most important thing is what I'm learning. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think for me, it's it's been, I think it's for me, it's just been about like, making peace with losing followers, mm. like with that just being okay and actually in some ways good. yeah. And so, um, I mean, so for example, on my account, I actually turn, I lose 1000 followers every single day. Okay, So I'm, at, so in order for me to stay at zero, I have to also gain a thousand followers every single right. day. Right. Right. And so the, I'm gonna lose followers no matter what. And then on the days that I post things, I actually lose more followers because people will see the content and be like, "eh, not for me," and unfollow. Oh. But then when I, if I post that thing, then and it does well, then with you know over the course of several days, then I might gain way more followers than I lost. Right. Um, but I think I've learned over time that like it is okay to lose followers, and it's actually a good thing. Because you actually want people to unfollow you if they're not interested in your content. Mm. It's actually better for your page than if people are just sort of like dormantly sticking around but never engaging. Um, And so I think someone described to me as like an audience is a revolving door. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. like, let me not have the expectation that I need to amass this audience. I need to hang on to every single person. yeah. Let me ha- instead have the expectation that this is just a revolving door and some people are going to stay in for a while longer. Some people are going to stay in a real long time and some people are just going to go in and out. And that's just normal. Yeah. And it was actually my it was actually my agent who told me this. So he's worked with many, many people with much larger followings than me. So he has like a sort of, you know, larger kind of view of things. Right. And so when he told me that, I was like, okay, it truly is okay to just lose followers um, because I'm going to keep doing my most popular series, like the most of my followers come from my DIY camera hack yes, series. Yeah. And frankly, like I've used all my best ideas for that. I don't have another DIY camera hack video currently planned. Like at some point maybe I'll come up with some ideas and do another one. But like that's it's not my current interest to do that. Yeah. And I know that like when I post uh videos that are not that, people who follow me for that reason are not gonna like it as much and they might not engage or they might unfollow me. And that's okay. Like that is their choice, how they want to spend their time and their interest. And so I think I've just had to like really make peace with that because if I came out with more with another DIY camera hack video right now, it would just sort of be rehashing my old stuff. right? And I don't, that doesn't give me excitement or interest. So it's like, if I keep doing the thing that people followed me for, I know the quality would decline. What I really need to do is I need to do new things and different things that I'm proud of and that may not be a fit for them. And that is okay.
1: Yeah. How many times have you in the past like made content that you think that your followers would like but you were like I ah, don't I feel like okay about this but I know that they will like it. Do, what's your I guess your barometer for creation?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um so my most successful video on Instagram as measured by number of followers is a video that I made called um, low budget shots with household objects. Uh-huh. And I got over 300,000 followers from that one.
1: Holy shit. On Instagram. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy conversion. Right? Yeah.
0: Well, I got it. So I did the whole strategy where I got it reposted on a bunch of pages uh-huh. and then, um, I got reposted on nine gag. It got like 30 million views on nine gag. And then that probably that brought in a huge number of followers. I basically did every, I did every trick in the book that I knew uh-huh. to get the followers. And then that ha- that time it just really blew up for me. Now that video, before I released it, I was like, I hate this. <laughs> this is like not, this is really not representative of a quality that I want to put out in the world. Yeah, This is not my best work. And truthfully, I would have cut it. I would have not released it but it was a client project for Adobe. So I had to release wow. it. Wow! So the thing that like I'm best known for is not, was not even a video that I was proud mm. of, but I'm proud of it now. Cause I'm like, I guess yeah, it did, did. great. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. But if it had flopped in terms of numbers, I would have been like, man, that kind of sucked. Right. So, I mean, it's so hard to be your own judge. But the thing is, I think the reason why it did so well actually is exactly the reason why I wasn't proud of it in the sense that I think the shots were really relatable. Because the shots didn't look too good and too professional, people were like, cool, I could do that. And that's useful and relatable to people. And that's that's valuable in its own way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think relatability, I think, is the key thing, like I always thought it was authenticity and I still think that that's very high, but if I were to put one, I don't know, modality, one like thing element that is like the the all being right now in, in social sphere would be that. Like anything that is relatable and people can use and find value in their everyday life, like, if I were to do, um, I mean, this is like, maybe I should think about this. Or like, how to style anything like a shelf or how to like make your key bowl look less crazy. You know, whatever. I would come up with better titles than that. But like, things that like are actually (laughs) useful versus like, watch me do this whole room. Like, that's what gives me value and like I love that and right now I'm developing my portfolio but I should probably if I was a good content creator I would start very small of like very like easy things that anyone could do with their house no matter where they live
0: right so so this tension is like I feel like this is increasing tension where the almost like the better something is the wor- the less relatable it is yeah. so this is especially in the filmmaking world but probably you see it in design as well is like The most talented filmmakers who are creating these incredibly, like, technically gorgeous shots, those videos get way fewer views than, like, my simple little iPhone shot. And it's just because it's not relatable. People can't see themselves doing it, even though technically they're, like, top of their field. Mm -hmm. And then so when I am making stuff and I want to make something look better, it's like, well, I want to make it look better, and that's actually going to make it perform worse. Right? Right? Um, and so lately I've just been like, that's okay. I'm going to make it look better anyway, because that's what I want to do. And like, I'm going to make content that I know, like going forward, um, my goal over the next few months is actually to make content because I think it's good. And oftentimes that means it's going to look more professional polished. And that means it's going to perform worse in social media, but ultimately, you know, I have an audience, but my, my paying audience there's a very, very, very small percentage of my audience that are like marketers who could hire yeah. me. And they actually appreciate the, you know, something that's a little more technical or professional. yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think for me, I'm not like, I guess I'm more rebalancing my portfolio. Like I'm probably going to do less of the iPhone stuff. I'm not going to get away from it entirely because I genuinely enjoy doing it. But I'm just not only going to pump out that I'm gonna do what my genuine interests are, even though I know it's gonna be less numbers.
1: Yeah, I think I saw somewhere on a one of those analytics pages that your followers break down into like four different categories, and I only remember two of them. But they were saying like followers, the the people that uh, like you for your content and want to like ingest it, and there's also the buyers of the people, like you said, like the the yeah. people that are gonna actually pay you, the leads for your jobs. And so it's like I, what we have to do is like have a balance of it like polished shots iPhone shots and then anything in between just playing the game playing the game always (laughs) (laughs) it's a fun game if you gamify it which I should I should sit down and like really think of it like a game because if anything is a game I want to (laughs) win
0: exactly (laughs) exactly
1: Yeah, I feel like with all
0: this, all these promotions and growth hacks and stuff, like you have to find what makes, what about it makes it fun
1: for totally. you.
0: Otherwise, it's just exhausting. It really is. Like, I remember when Clubhouse was really hot and everyone
1: was in Clubhouse, like getting all the growth hack
0: advice. And I'm just like, I'm exhausted in here listening to all this I, advice.
1: I was, oh my God. I remember that. That was like, where, is it still happening now? Clubhouse? This, no. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's still happening, but not as yeah, much. Yeah. I remember <laughs> being on it in the very beginning and being in all of the growth hack, uh, rooms and then taking notes and then trying to implement them and it was like this isn't for me like i'm i'm not this thinker like i'm creative yeah. and i have like a very type a mentality when it comes to organization but like i i don't know i feel like that's that's a skill set that i do not have <laughs> um mm-hmm. but before we end i really want to ask one last question um and this can go any way that you want but since you've had like so many different avenues in your journey. But if you could give one piece of advice for anyone that is a creative or wants to be a creative in any sort of capacity, what is your kind of like life motto or advice that you would give to them?
0: Okay. My advice is don't take anyone's advice that seriously. Oh, I <laughs> love that. Okay. So, which is like funny because it's like, why would you even listen to that? I'm telling, but anyway, it's sort of meta, but like, what I'm saying is like, everyone's going to have their growth hacks and tips and advice for you. But everyone is going to give you that advice from their lens in which they lived life. They're a different age from you. They lived life under different circumstances from you. They have a different personality from you. They have different interests from you. So they're, everyone's giving you advice based on how they lived their life. And so don't take anyone's advice too seriously. And I would say just go and get advice from lots of different people and then just take whatever actually feels right, but don't take anyone's word for what it is. Uh, Because like even I can give you all my growth hacks and like, guess what? That worked for me for a specific period of time, for a specific set of circumstances, for a specific personality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm about to give like this whole, I'm about to make this whole series, which is, like, how I grew on Instagram. Now, the title is How I Grew on Instagram. It's not How You Can Grow on Instagram. Totally. I'm just giving an example of what worked for me. And so the best thing you can do is just really observe and experiment and figure out what works for your personality.
1: I love it. When is it coming out? Probably in (gasps) mid-September. When is this coming out? Uh, Next week. Okay, cool. Okay, so, yeah. So, okay, so it's (laughs) called... How I grew on Instagram. Uh, It's
0: how I I grew to 1 million followers on Instagram. Oh my God. That's coming in mid-September.
1: So exciting. Okay, cannot wait to do that. And hopefully I can grow to 1 million on Instagram.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's happening for you.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. All of Karen's socials are in the show notes. If you want to see more of her filmmaking and follow her... If you want to hear a specific topic or have any other people that you would love to hear on Just a Tip, DM me at Just a Tip Podcast on Instagram and we will see you next time. Bye. That was a headgum podcast.